Hello, everybody, and Happy New Year to you. Hope your 2022 is off to a great start five days in or whenever you're listening to this show. Welcome back to Fitz Nation in 2022. Extended hiatus will end now. I am excited to fire up the podcast with regularity once again. Uh, pump out these long-form, hopefully very unique interviews that uh, not only tell you a lot about a fighter or a broadcaster or a coach or somebody in the MMA world, but some but something that you can use in your own life to better yourself, improve what you're working on, and hope that your resolutions are off to a good start. I put out a mini bonus episode. This is on my YouTube video, and then I just put it on the podcast feed here of three steps you can take uh, to stick to your New Year's resolutions or whatever habits that you want to establish in the new year. So I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, Charles Jordan is a perfect guest for this format. He's a very thoughtful young man from Quebec, Canada, UFC featherweight. He just got a big win on December 18th against Andre Yule, and it was the last fight on his contract, and he will go into why he did not want to sign a new contract. He wanted to take all of the risk of fighting his last one and really seeing where he stood, seeing if he belonged at this top level. And as it turns out, he got himself a huge win. It was a lot of fun to watch and off to uh, bigger and better things in the future for Charles Jordan. But since he's broken into the UFC, I've always loved watching him fight and watched, uh, called his fights. But also, I've been very impressed with his life perspective for somebody who is just 26 years old, just turned 26. But for somebody in their early 20s, mid 20s to to be a fighter and to have the life perspective that he has, I've been impressed with him all the way up. So it was a pleasure to chat with him in this format. We get a lot about his background. We get a lot about how his mind works and what he's working on for the future. So off and running on Fitz Nation in 2022. Appreciate every single one of you who enjoys this podcast. And rest assured, we will keep growing in uh, the new year and beyond. So here he is, UFC featherweight, proudly representing Canada. Charles Jordan joins me on Fitz Nation. Whenever I uh, get to call your fights, I always love saying your name. You have one of the most fun names to say. It's not Charles Jordan. It's Charles Jordan. Yeah, it's Jordan, but it's more in the French French manner. We pronounce uh, the, the, the ending differently. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> A lot of people get that wrong, but uh, I will not do it because it's so much fun to say. Happy New Year, Charles. Likewise, thank you very much. I think 2022 is going to be big for, for all of us. The UFC yeah. keeps going. Like with this whole situation in the world of, uh, like, uh, I when I was fighting on the 18th of December, I had the fighters, my brothers and uh, Jordan Balmier, they were fighting in Canada. Mm -hmm. They were uh, making weights and everything, and the Santé Public arrived, and they said, no, you guys aren't fighting. So, but I'm, I'm very happy to be part of the UFC, because now, like, these, these type of things don't happen. So, yeah, yeah grateful. They were fighting, what, in Niagara Falls on the 18th? Yes, I think so. But on the Canada side, my brother, yeah. my brother's opponent pulled out uh, uh, before, but Jordan did wait. He lost like 15 pounds. He was ready to go to the scale. And they said, uh, no, sorry, no event. They cancel it. So, yeah. It's, I it's heard about that one. Yeah. No, no, like no money compensation. And these guys aren't making money. You know, when I was fighting for TKO, I was making good money, but it was, it was nothing. Uh, sustainable so for yeah. all these fighters who 
cannot fight right now. It's it's it must be unbearable for them. So yeah, 2022 with the UFC, I'm very happy. I'm going to receive my contract soon, and uh, yeah. I'm, I'm very happy about it. I was going to get to that later, but uh, yeah. the con I knew because that was the last fight of your contract. It was. And you showed up big. Uh, yeah. So, so, so you're going to sign a new one? Yes, I will. Uh, we went into like some back and forth with them, uh, with the UFC. I didn't want to test the market too much because, you know, uh, there's a lot of a big organization, but there's nothing like the UFC. You know, I, I hear a lot of people complain about the uh, the pace, this and that. I'm not a big fan of it. I, I think the more you do, the more you will receive. And uh, like, if you're a fighter and you just arrive in the UFC, you cannot complain about the pay. You need to make a, main, a name for yourself. You need to sell pay-per-views. Like people say, oh, I'm a champion too. Why I'm not making the same amount as Connor? I'm like, man, Connor's a different, different sorts of, of being and you have to accept that. And one thing I despise a little bit is when guys trying to play a role to be like Connor, to have what Connor has. But Connor is, is, is Connor, like he's true to himself. And if you're not that, you cannot be like him. Like me, I wake up every day and I don't want to be anybody else but, but me. So when, uh, yeah, coming back to the salary part, I understand some, some part of it, but I'm a big believer in the more you do, the more you will receive. Yeah. See, this is why I wanted to have you on my show, Charles. You seem to have a very good understanding of who you are, where you are in the world, and in your career. Yes. Uh, my job is to now figure out where you got that. But, like, where where would you say you got that? I mean, uh, I, me, my, 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 I think my persona, my character became with, uh, I, it arrived because I, I grew up in a household with three brothers. So it was four Jordan. So four crazy guy, crazier yeah. than me. So yeah, it was uh, like uh, my father said, you want a scooter? You need to work. You want this? You need to, like, there was all, there was all, he was always expecting something from us if we wanted something. So it was not, I didn't have a bad childhood. I had a very good childhood, but like, if I wanted more, I needed to do more. And, uh, and I needed to understand that uh, pretty, pretty, pretty fast and my competition were my brothers because the more they would do the more they would have like Mercedes or stuff like that like they were working very hard and uh I always thought about that like I, I'll, I'll never be a victim of the of any circumstances I'll always find a way to make the better of any situation and uh yeah just how my my father raised us uh, like yeah be strong and don't complain come when you complain nothing's happened you, you need if you want more do more Mm -hmm. you're you're um you have a younger brother who fights right yes. are yes. you are are you the oldest youngest where are you in that pecking order of four uh there's two older yeah uh, david and etienne they're uh, a couple gaps apart like eight eight to five years apart from uh -huh. me, and louis. me and louis are the fighters and we're the youngest so i'm 25 louis 23 right now he's gonna turn 24 soon uh no he's gonna turn 25 actually yeah it goes fast no, yeah, he's gonna turn 25. So me and Louis are the fighters. And uh, me, when I was in TKO, I, I before TKO ended because of uh, the whole pandemic and this yeah. and that, uh, Louis were, Louis was rising up as well. He was probably on his way to make a, a, an appearance in the UFC. And then uh, it the the show didn't happen because the well TKO died. It, right. It's sad to say, but TKO died because of uh, the. the 
this whole pandemic thing. And uh, Louis kept fighting, but he went to Abu Dhabi. I actually, he's on the Dana White Contenders. Uh, no, not Contenders series. The Looking, Looking for, for a fight, fight show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a very good fight. But uh, yeah, he got taken down in the third, then like point, and he lost by point. So yeah, so now he's uh, he's fighting some demons because he's like, am I ever going to make it? Or I need, and like, Louis in a little bit of a hard situation. But like I said, the more he's going to do, the more he's going to find himself. So yeah. We're we're in the back. We're gonna encourage him, but we cannot work for him. Louis Louis needs to find his way and make his way. So me as a brother, I'm not like the worst thing you can do for someone is always pat them on the back and do the work for them. They need to do the work to get stronger. So Louis Louis, I have high hopes for my little brother, and I'm sure he's gonna join me uh, eventually in the UFC. But he needs to put in the work for it. How do you see him every day? Every day. Yeah, I saw yeah, him this train. morning. We just arrived from the gym. Yeah. You're right. Um, that is another life lesson that is, it's hard to wrap your head around when you want something so bad for somebody else, but you can't do it for them. Mm-hmm. What, what, like, how do you um, wrestle with that? Knowing that he could be in the UFC, he's got the skills. What is it? And, and you know, like, how, how do you kind of put that to the side? Because sometimes it can consume you if you want something so much for a loved one and maybe they aren't willing to do it, or maybe they're doing the wrong things and you want to figure it out, but you can't really yeah. figure it out for them. No, to be frank with you, I'm very at peace. I used to, we used to have a lot of troubles, me and him, like the, the synergy wasn't there because I was like, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? But then as a bigger brother, the best thing I can do is step away and wish that you can face so many hardships art situation that can make you stronger. So now I, I cannot do anything for him except uh, when we train, like uh, I do my best to make sure he has the best version of me with him to train with. So he gets better. And I just, I just, it, it might sound weird at first, but when you think about it, it's good. I wish a lot of hardships on the people I'm close to, because the more struggle they face and the more intensity they face, the stronger they become. So it's not that I wish anything bad happening to him, but something. But sometimes something bad that's happened to you is the best lesson you can have to, to grow. Yeah. So I don't wish him harm, but I wish him the most hard things. Like when I tell people my vow for, for 2022, I'm like, may it be full of adventure, be full of bad things and good things. Because most of the time we get stronger from bad things. So yeah, so... I'm very at peace with the Louis situation. I have yeah. high confidence. He's a strong young man. And uh, yeah, he's going to make his way. Does he fight like you? He, he, unfortunately, we were put into a, a, a box when we were in TKO. But yeah. Because we were letting uh, uh, the journal or uh, journalists, everybody telling us we were striker. And Louis, as an amateur, was undefeated. He was 10 and 0. He was fighting those 25 year old, 30, uh, 30 year olds when he was like 16. He was taking them down, submitting them, ground and pound, like choking them out. And Louis had such a high grappling uh, capacity. But as we progressed, we had stri- good striking abilities. And uh, Louis kind of pushed aside his grappling abilities during fights because he was like, yeah, but it's draining my energy and then I'm going to strike. I'm like, man, you're such an incredible and incredibly gifted. Like me and Louis were very different. Like we would be in the gym. 
Louis would learn it, uh, like they would show us the technique, Louis would learn it right away. Would learn it right away. Me would take like 10 times repeating, repeating, yeah. repeating. I'm a slow learner. Louis is a little genius. Like, yeah. Anyway, so the, gra- the grappling department is something that he took out of his arsenal, thinking that striking is the only thing we need to do. But he has such a great capacity in the ground and taking people down, such great timing. And uh, now he's, he's using it even more than, uh, than he used to. So now he's gaining a lot of confidence knowing that he's not in the box of being a striker. Me, it's right. a different. Me, I'm, me I, I'm an explosive guy. I have good cardio. And uh, I'm, me, this is my style. This is, I've been always, do, uh, always been doing that. Like the only time I caught submissions when, is when these guys were tired and they would do a sloppy shot giving me their neck or something right. stupid. They were hurt. So I'm, 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 I have a good jujitsu, but my, my main focus is to break down your body and your soul to make sure you make <laughs> a mistake that you can pay for it. So yeah, yeah, we're two very different individuals. And what's fun is we grew up together, same coach, same uh, adventures, everything was the same and we were so different. That's what I love about martial arts. That's why yeah. I say from the heart because you could learn from the same teacher and have so much different styles. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, I was doing an interview um, the day before your fight uh, with Mike Bond, fellow Canadian, right, from MMA yes. Junkie. And uh, he was like, what's the under-the-radar fight that you're looking forward to? And I was just like, listen, if you don't know who Charles Jordan is by now, I mean, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> and then you delivered, right? Then you delivered. You went out. That was just was a back-and-forth fight. Big fan of yours, bud. So um, – when you're coming up in the world, two older brothers, uh, a father that's teaching you good life lessons of if you want more, then become more. Um, why martial arts? Because martial art, uh, this is something from Nick Diaz's book. Uh, when he, when they were doing the prime time a long time ago, I was watching these like, like uh, it was my religion watching the prime times before uh-huh. fights. And, uh, uh, I think it was Roger Gracie, his coach, said what Nick loved about martial art is it's such a vast world and you can customize yourself according to who you are, which is something we just talked a bit uh, like a two, two, three minutes ago. You can become whatever you, you want to be in the fighting world. Like he, he, It's a way to express because the art, art the, the hard part of martial art is the way you express and um, we express to through not just fighting, but to how to become our own style of martial art. Like, and like boxers, a lot of boxers resemble themselves because they're more into a box. Us, we have the open world. Like you see, Wonder Boy, who's a phenomenal karate fighter. You have uh, Khabib, who's next level wrestling, but not just wrestling, like cage wrestling. Yeah. The, the way he puts you against the fence. People think, oh, he's a great wrestler. I'm like, man, the, the best ability of Khabib is when he puts you towards that fence. Then you have Nate Diaz, who's a volume puncher. Like you create your own, your own character. And this, this is what I love the most about martial art. You express yourself the way you want. And uh, you have so many different styles and we're all trying to learn which style is the best. So, yeah. So, but one thing that's the most common right now is strong guy with uh, like, let's say Pure Yan. Pure Yan doesn't have many holes in his game. Like now these are the type of fighters who, who are becoming champions. These are, who are guys who are so complete in all those uh, areas. And it's like to become a UFC champion nowadays, I strongly believe it's much 
harder than it was back then. Because yeah. when you look at the list of champions we have right now, they're just phenomenal. It's it's incredible. And becoming a UFC champion is is not an easy deed. Yeah, and like what I tell people too is the UFC is is only two years older than you. You know what I mean? Like if you're a football player, if you're a hockey player, it's mm-hmm. been around. This sport of yeah. mixed martial arts is so young yeah. that like it is still if like imagine hockey in the 1915s, 1920s. That's that's what mm-hmm. we're dealing with right now, you yeah. know? And so it's just uh so but if it was one thing for you to express yourself in a certain way, like why was that the path? Because there's a lot of different ways to express yourself and like become who you are. But obviously you were a fight fan if you're watching everything like that. It was you chose this path. Yeah. So basically I had a lot of energy. I was in trouble at school because I was always like, uh, I was, uh, I'm very reactive. I'm never looking for trouble, but if the trouble is looking for me, I'm, I will never back down. Like, I don't care. I would, I would jump on 30 people if I had to. I'm, I'm, I, I, was ju- I just had this crazy energy. And one time my father said, hey, there's a kickboxing cool, uh, school that just opened. You want to do it? We went there and I was like, man, I can punch stuff, jump on the walls. I can like, it was like a ninja place for us. Since we were young and we would climb up trees, we would uh, uh, go in the woods with our father and like everything that was physical and involved physical fighting, either with swords or whatever, we would do it because this is something that really intrigued us. And it just, it just grew up on us. I saw how good it was for me as as a young uh, with a lot of testosterone kid, like I uh, wanted to, to challenge myself. And the more I learned about martial art and the more I was training, the less I was angry at the world, angry at everything. And I was just at peace with it. So I was like, it's crazy. All my moment of peace is when I'm trying to strangle someone in the yeah. gym. Like, this is the moment that feels so liberated from everything. Like you, you cannot think about like what you're going to eat tonight or what you're going to do later when you're fighting it, it's all about the, the present moment and i think everybody's struggling a lot with that because of our phones or or we're always connected with something but it's hard to very to really stay in the present moment and martial art taught me that i'm still dwelling i'm still having a lot of troubles uh with it mainly because of social media because you're projecting yourself everywhere oh this that this but no, martial art really helps me to to find peace. But I have I still have a lot of troubles maintaining yeah. it. I'm, I'm getting better. At least you're acknowledging it. If you can acknowledge yeah. it, then that's that's the first step. But like, when did that hit you when you started martial arts? You start straightening up. But when did you when did it click for you that like, whoa, this is it's a big help? Uh, when uh, I did my first amateur fight, like the the feeling was so intense. Like you put on the gloves and. There was a fighter who was there. It was a guy from Colorado. His name was Brendan Thatch. I don't know if you remember the guy. Brendan Thatch had a big red Mohawk and uh, he was uh, like 12 and 0 and uh, knocking out everybody in the first minute. Like I saw him and he just signed with the UFC. Eventually, I think he ended up losing to Gunnar Nelson and never came back. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I, I saw this guy and he came in and said, man, you have a, lot, a big future ahead of you. Keep going. I was like, wow, I've just been acknowledged by, a, a, like, he was not a fighter. He was a killer, this guy. I yeah. was like, wow, this is great. And he went, he came and seen me and Louis followed on the same card that night. 
one or amateur fight. An amateur in uh, <laughs> in uh, Canada is a lot different than uh, USA. Like we don't have small gloves. We have big 16 ounce with our finger out of the glove. And it was weird. And I thought this kid was like 20 year old. I was like 16 and I, I beat them up. I, I caught him with a high kick. He shoot and I, I think I guillotined him. I don't remember very well. And uh, yeah, I just, I was like, wow, this is, I never felt something so strong in my life, like so intense. And also when I lost, I lost like one or two amateur fights. And when I lost, I'm like, I love the feeling. I was shaking. I was like, I need to get stronger. Like the, the urge of getting better was what is what hit me the most. And I was like, how come I love it so much Like to, 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 to know that I have such uh, uh, so much more to learn. Like just just a quick example. Uh, I know a, a young a young girl. I think she's fourteen. Uh, she trains with my coach Cyril, and uh, she was doing competition here in Quebec, and she was beating everybody in jujitsu. And then she went to uh, uh, Toronto, and uh, when she and she ended up losing her two match, and she came back and uh, she said, "I'm happy it happened because now I know." that this is a very vast world and I don't know anything. I'm like, imagine you're 14 year old and you have this, you're happy that you have lost because it opened up the world of martial arts to you. It takes a lot of maturity. I was very impressed. Yeah. That is a, that's a lesson that's undeniable. And the earlier you learn it, the better. Mm -hmm. But the, the victimization nowadays is so, so easy to take that path instead of, acknowledging that you're weak, like admitting you're weak is the first step towards becoming stronger, but being like, Oh, the ref got me out of this fight. Oh, this happened. Oh, I, I was injured. I didn't cut weight properly. Oh, my nutrition was, I, when I heard that, I'm like, what the fuck dude, what are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. Dude, this was the day you needed to fight. You didn't show up. It's all on you. Oh, I need to move to, to USA because my coach are this. I understand some people need to make the move. Like uh, my my fellow Canadian uh, fighter Mark Andre Barrio did it because there was a lot surrounding uh, uh, his situation here in Quebec. Yeah, and uh, he had to make the move, but he never blamed his coaches. He never blamed anybody but himself. So that takes a lot of character. If you're someone who victimized yourself. I don't even want to be near you. I don't like victims. Of course, you can be victim from, from like car accidents. There's a lot of things you cannot control. But if right. you're a victim of something that you can't control and you're complaining, I'm like, okay, wake up. Blame yourself. Get better and get, 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 back, uh, get back in the race, please. Yeah, you know, um, I heard a phrase, and it's a good way to think of it, is like as your island of knowledge or skills or whatever, as that grows – so does your shoreline of ignorance, right? So as you grow and you get bigger, then you realize this gets bigger too, Yes, right? It gets bigger mm -hmm. around you the more that you don't know. So like as, as you get better as a fighter, you're almost like, wow, like, like it, you know more about what you don't know now than when you were starting yeah. and when you were like, uh, you know, a beast in the gym, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's mm -hmm. another thing to... Uh, to take it took account. me it took me a couple seconds but now i visualize like it, it yeah. resembles what some people say when they receive like black belts or something or they say oh some people think black belt is the end but it's actually a new beginning because right everything just gets bigger around you yeah I, I really like it so when does it become like the career that you want to do 
when does being a pro fighter become the career choice or path? The first time I fought professionally in Thailand, I arrived, there was like a small garage and uh, they say, oh, you're fighting tonight, you're fighting this guy. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, and my coach, my coach, Eric. Well, and how, how did you get to Thailand? Uh, I was working as a, a, a bartender and I was making a lot of money and my coach told me, hey, man, you want to put up some money and so we can go to Thailand? I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, I was like eight and two as an amateur. Mm-hmm. I wanted to turn pro. And he's like, man, dude, this could be great experience for you. I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we went to Thailand. All right. And uh, I did my first fight. I was training at Dragon Muay Thai near Tiger Muay Thai on the mm-hmm. same road. In Phuket. And uh, they said, oh, you good. You want to fight? I said, okay, fuck it. Let, let's do it. Yeah. And uh, we arrived in that little gym slash uh, they, were, they were working on cars. So it was like a garage, a ring in the middle. And like flies, like everything was like disgusting. And I was like, oh my God, this is pretty badass. And so, okay, you fight this guy. And the guy was, was much bigger than me. And I'm like, okay. And my coach said, okay, if you want to go home, I'll never sell to anyone you, you chickened out. Like, you want to go home? I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. We're here. Let's do it. So they, they put me those weird gloves. You don't even work out. Us, we were used to like hitting pads before the drills. They just put that Thai oil on you and they stretch you and they're like, okay, go fight. I was like, oh shit, okay. <laughs> I went in, ended up uh, winning by flying knee. It was the first flying knee I ever did. So I was like, oh my God, okay, now I can jump with knees because in amateur, you gotta throw elbows, knees. Uh, there, there's a, there was a lot of, of things that were, yeah. uh, that, w- that was weird. But yeah, so professionally, I, I could do it. So I was so happy and they gave me 1,000 baht, which is about, Canadian dollars is about 40 bucks. So they gave me 40 bucks and I'm like, I just got paid to punch someone in the face. I want to do that the rest of my life. And yeah, that, that's how it started. I, came, I did another one, two weeks after that. I saw the guy arrive with belts and I'm like, what's going on? And I was getting beat up the whole fight. And at the end of the first round, but well, the whole fight for the, like two minutes, 30, I was getting destroyed by that guy. It was like, yeah. yeah skinny tie, like with big muscle, big arms, arrived with the belts. He was doing his wife wooing me. I was like, oh my God. And my coach was like, okay, do it. And I'm like, okay, fuck it. I'll do it. <laughs> and uh, I ended up, uh, he was, he was the, his right hand was super low. He was a righty and I just did a fast switch kick on the chin and he, he, he got, I knocked him out and I was like, <gasps> and the, the happiness feeling of, man, I was about to get destroyed even more. Yeah. To, I just won. Uh, I just had this rush, and I was like, "Okay." So I came back to Canada, and then boom, the, the pro career started. Yeah. So those don't count. Were those just Muay Thai fights? Muay Thai fights. Yes, yeah, yeah. I got to say, yeah, they right. were. Uh, God, were they working on cars while you were fighting? Oh yeah, it was so weird. <laughs> Surviving like they were on the side of the ring, like in diagonal. They were working on cars. There was like two, three people in the stands. There was a little DJ to put the, the Thai music on. And uh, I was looking left to right. And uh, yeah, it was pretty weird, uh, pretty weird place. But it was fun. It was pure. I, lo- right. I love the violence of it. I got to get to Thailand and see this because it's so, we it's always, to- it's always a part of the fighter story. Oh, they went and trained in Thailand for three months or you, you went to Thailand and then your career started and all this other stuff. And it's like, okay, I can say that all I want, but I, I yeah. need to experience that man. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're going to have fun. The, the weather is incredible. The food is incredible. Like 
us here we have Santé Canada, which is like the health, uh, uh, the health organization, if you want, of Canada. Yeah, that's yeah. like all oh, chicken cannot be outside or blah blah blah. Oh, it's but all first, we have like food. a lady on the bike right yeah. in front of the hotel, and she's like, "You want chicken?" And like the chicken's been around for like hours, man, hours and hours. And I was like, because my mom worked for that department of health, and uh, man. I, I, I send her a message of me eating that. <laughs> like, you're going to get sick. You're going to get salmonella or whatever. I'm like, no, mom. No, mom, I'm good. So, yeah, yeah I was eating uh, insects because there, there's a uh, insect, not insects. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so many, like, there's a place called the market and you go out and, like, there's food everywhere, but it's, like, so unsanitary. But it was just fun to live like they live. Like, yeah. we didn't care and we're, like, not... We're, we were not having like this little bourgeois mindset of, no, I'm not eating that, this and that. I'm like, we're here to make experience. Some people do more experience than others because, you know, Thailand is uh, reputed for having like Chanel and stuff. I didn't right. do it. But, you know, some people did it and I don't judge them. Hey, man, power <laughs> to you if you're there to enjoy uh, everything. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think we're that... Uh, we're I didn't think this conversation was going to go in this direction. <laughs> uh, you know, you just never know, no, man. That's no, why I like doing this show. No, but sometimes people ask me, hey, in Thailand, is it true? I was like, man, I've tried many things, but this is not something I've tried, but they want to do it. I'm not the kind of guy who judges you, man. If you right. want to try something new, have fun. There you go. <laughs> Thailand is the Thailand is the place for you. You can do it anonymously, too. So... Um, what did you expect being a pro fighter was going to be like? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I expected it would be you're rich as soon as you start and you just train and, and everything's about fighting. But then you realize that it's a career. And me, I see my life as like some sphere, if you want. Like there's a sphere of family, your relationship with your girlfriend, boyfriend, and, uh, and uh, yeah, career. So you have, you have multiple sphere in your life. And if you think that becoming a fighter, you can erase all of the others, I think you're wrong. I think it takes tremendous amount of uh, mental energy and sacrifice to put your family aside to go train. I'm a big fan of Peter Yan and I watch his documentary and you can see his emotion when he's talking to his son while he's on the other part of the world training. But I love the maturity of his son because it, it, it has subtitles and his son said, like he understands what is, why his father is doing it. Like you want all those Christmas gifts, you want everybody to, to like everything that the kid has at already like six or seven, he acknowledges because his father is absent. So yeah, my I thought being a fighter would be just being a fighter, but you're a human being before being a fighter, and you need to take care of those fear because if you don't, you're going to pay for it uh, to a very high price. Yeah. Did you pay for it at all? I did. I I, I thought I was very selfish. I was. Uh, I was thinking because I was winning fights, I, I could have, uh, uh, I was cooler than everybody. And then I realized this is, a, that was the most stupid thing I could have done. But like we talked about a little bit earlier, it wasn't stupid because I learned from it. Right. So uh, now I, if I win or if I lose, I'm the same guy. I treat everybody uh, with respect. Well, uh, as much as I can. And uh, yeah, you're not, 
bigger of a man or lesser of a man either if you win or lose it's all about your character and i think what's ma what makes you you is how you treat people more than what you have or more to more more what you have accomplished like some people's like oh this guy is a champion in this he must be nice nah, nah, nah. and then you realize the guy's a piece of shit like what what you accomplish doesn't determine how good of a good uh, how good of a human being you are and this is something i learned uh, by being surrounded by guys who accomplished more than me back then and i would put them on pedestal in my mind then I'm, i realized man a lot of them are just assholes the way they treat people they think they're better than everyone else so i learned from my mistakes and i learned from mistakes from other people so yeah i got a small circle but i'm trying to 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 be there for all the all the people in my small surrounding as much as i can yeah what's the biggest way that you've changed throughout that process uh, especially mentally I, I needed to to Because us, the Jordan, we have uh, uh, like the, the, you know, in some families, there's like uh, some genes that 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 are very uh, repetitive. Uh, how can I explain? Uh, let's say you have uh, you're unfortunate, and you have the cancer gene, like something that's very uh, redundant in uh, your your family trees. Us, it was uh, violence and uh, and uh, alcoholism which is something I never had trouble with, but my father did a bit. His father was even crazier. I never met my grandfather, but I heard a lot of stories that, you know, alcohol, a lot of violence, fighting all the time. And uh, and we got up into through the family trees, the cousin, and it was something that was very repetitive in our in our bloodline. And uh, some people say it doesn't matter if it, but me, I, I, think, I think it does. I think we have this little violent thing inside of us. And I'm very happy that I've learned of, learn about martial arts, learn to control it and release it at the, like when you see me scream with blood in my face, like, like my father told me, you resemble my father when, like my grandfather, you resemble him when he was mad at us, like your eyes and your face, your nose, because we, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is pretty intense. So yeah, I, the, the biggest way I change is I learned to cap, uh, to, to control that, strength that can be a curse as well of being like super stiff and violent and like being more monkeyish than, than yeah. human sometimes so yeah and and me and my my four brothers we we had a lot of trouble with it and uh, but with time patience and uh me was with martial art we learned to control it more how do you think of that now the the family tree thing uh, I, I think I think anything you have can be a gift or a curse, depending on how you use it. So this, me, yeah, I consider it a gift of violence. When I'm fighting, this is the best thing. Like I think it's a weapon. People say you have such a great cardio, and as the fight goes, you become stronger. Because me, I'm not a, a quick starter, but as the fight goes, I become more and more. Like the more violent it is, the more the more energy I get. So I, I think properly use it can be a gift. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about it because now I, I know how to control it more. Yeah. And you seem to have kind of fallen into knowing who you are as a pro fighter after learning those lessons. Yes, absolutely. And plus with, with 
like the lessons of, of losing and winning and fighting different type of guys. Like I never learned as much uh, from a fight uh, than when I lost to Erosa. Erosa was just mentally there. He was big. He was hitting me from all sorts of angles and he was, he was, he pushed me and he made me realize, kiddo, there's some levels to this. Uh, like the experience gap is there. And like all of that was like, Plus with the, the like the, the change of opponent last minute, this and that, I was just, the moment was too big for me. And uh, Erosa just destroyed me. Uh, like I, I didn't know how to answer. And I, I talked to him after my fight, actually with Ewell, he sent me a message and we had an uh, interesting back and forth. And I just told him, thank you very much for making me feel so weak. Uh, for for uh, for those 14 minutes or, or whatever, how much time it, it went to, you made me feel such like, you make me feel like the prey instead of the predator. Because sometimes I lost fight. I lost the Philly fight by split decision, but I knew he didn't want it to, to go on. When I lose by decision, I, every time it happened, I was like, you knew you didn't want to have another round because the yeah. third rounds are getting better. So, but Erosa just shut me down and I was like, ouch, man. Like I, I was a prey for, for those, uh, yeah. for that fight. So yeah, I was very happy about it uh, at the end. Took me I some time, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I remember you, that fight was in what, September. I remember um, after, well, in, a, in anticipation of this next fight in December that you had, uh, reading a quote, you said you were pretty hard on yourself though after that Arosa fight. Of course I was. Of course I was. Like you, like you were really reevaluating things. Absolutely. And like when I was coming to fight Ewell, uh, that's why I didn't renegotiate. Really I wanted to do my fourth one because I said I was hard on myself. Me and my manager had a, a, a discussion about it. And I said, hey, if I don't win this one with Ewell, I'm not cut out to be in the UFC. The UFC is made for the strongest fighters you can ask for in the world. And if I cannot win against this guy or these guys, I don't have my, my, my part to be in here. I'm not here to be a celebrity. I'm not here to, to have money or whatever. I'm here to fight the best. But if I don't belong in the best, you can kick me out all you want. And, uh, um, um, and people say, well, that's very harsh of you to say that to yourself. I'm like, no, this is reality. And I'm someone who will face reality in uh, uh, the, the best way that I can because this is how I'm going to get stronger. I don't want anybody to pat me on the back. What I hated after my Erosa loss is everybody, not everybody, but some people were like patting me on the back. Oh, it's because you changed opponent last minute. Oh, it's because I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear a single thing about it. I lost because I had a, a man who was prepared to, to, to kill me in that octagon. And I wasn't prepared for that. So that's why I was at peace when I felt evil because I learned, I, I read a quote that I really enjoyed. He said, yeah, if you're not ready to die, you won't re be ready to kill. And I was ready to lose everything. So that's why I was ready to, 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 to get this guy. So, yeah, you have to be willing to sacrifice everything. And that's what I did. It paid, but I was ready for whatever outcome. I could have get caught in the first round and then, boom, we would not have this conversation and charge Olini need to find uh, uh, another part of the adventure that is life. So yeah. I was prepared for both, both adventure. How did you get to be so principled? Because 
because the the feeling of getting stronger is one feeling that I is the feeling that I love the most in life. And you can only get stronger if you assess uh, everything that happened and if you're true to yourself. So yeah, so I know if I'm true to myself, I'll get stronger from it. So that's why I, I do it, and that's why I'm so harsh towards me. Yeah. So then I have to apologize because after you fought a roast, I was at the apex that day I was hosting the post fight show and I wanted to come and congratulate Julian. Cause uh, I know how big that win was for him. And then I saw you too. And I was just like, Oh man, great fight. I gave you a fist bump. You were like getting stitched <laughs> up. You're like, thanks man. And you kind of gave me a smirk, but like, what does it feel like in that moment? Like when I'm going in and I'm just like, Hey man, good fight, you know, whatever. But- Brendan, I, I remember, the, the, I think the second time I fought at the Apex, you already remember my name. And for me, it was something big because when I, just a little uh, parenthesis, because uh, I, like, I like people who take interest because me, normally I always fight in fight nights and I don't fight on big cards and this and that. So, so I, I kind of, uh, I never received like the big, uh, the big show, like, uh, Every like, uh, how can I say? I me, I thought when you arrived to the UFC, you made it, and everybody knows. Like I'm seven fight deep now. It's gonna. I be can identify head. with you, my man. <laughs> I <appreciate it. laughs> and yeah. I, so I enjoy so much. Uh, uh, I wanted to say say that to you and and Paul Felder. Like both, you're both gentlemen. You acknowledge me, even though I had some ups and downs. And like a couple of ups and downs in UFC, I'm like, oh, he's not as good or no, no, no. So everybody's kind of pushing you aside. And uh, just you interacting with me. I remember I, I just did the weigh-in. Was it with Philly or? No, it was with Rojo. When I fought Marcelo Rojo and I, I did the little circle behind the, the, the weigh-in. And then mm-hmm. he would me and he said, hey, Charles, how are you? And I, I felt empowered by that. Because yeah. I, I, man, I, I, it was a fun interaction. It was a couple of seconds, but I really enjoyed it. So... And, and you and Paul Felder are both gentlemen who kind of acknowledge me through the commentaries and uh, through some, some of those small interactions. So these are things I don't forget, and I'm very happy for them. Yeah. Well, you've earned it because of the way that you perform. And me and Paul both called your debut against Des Green in, in <laughs> Rochester. That was like short notice, up a weight class. You were thrown yeah. to the wolves. You were yeah. thrown to a wrestler up a weight class <laughs> in his hometown on like 10 days notice. And I remember after the second round, I looked at Paul and we're like, this kid is not backing down. You know, no, like, I, I think you were only that, 24, yeah. like you were undersized and we're just like, holy smokes, like you were a big underdog. And so mm-hmm. you jumped out with that one. And then your next fight was against Duho Choi in Korea. And I called that yeah. one too. So mm-hmm. you've, you've earned it, man. I'm like, that's, that's why, but, uh, but thank you for saying that. I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that it brought you something because you, I don't, uh, I don't think of that either from, from the perspective of the fighter when the, how much effect I could have by knowing who you are saying, hi, big fan, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm more likely to do that um, more often, but with you, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's legitimate. You've earned it. Um, in terms of the career and the ups and downs and whatever you said before you came into the UFC, uh, you said it is a sprint. This career is a sprint. It's not a marathon. What mm-hmm. did you mean by it? Can you explain that a little bit more? Uh, Cause I, I didn't understand a lot of things that I do now. Uh, I thought 
it was important. Like uh, this was something I said, being influenced by like George or or fighters that say, don't take the extra fight. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Uh, you shouldn't, blah, blah, blah. But then with maturity, I understand that some people are just made to fight like Fedor. Fedor had some ups and downs, but he's still fighting. And like, I hate when people say, oh, he had a couple bad fights. He should retire. I'm like, like at some point in your life, you're going to hit the peak. That way you're going to have your best performance. And then, yeah, it might slow down. But it's not because you're slowing down that you cannot do what you love to do. Like, let's say I, I know some boxers uh, who uh, were big champions and then they weren't as good, but they keep fighting. And I was like, before I didn't understand it. Now I understand that this is the thing that he loves the most. So you cannot take that away from him too much un unless it becomes at the price of your health. Now you mm -hmm. need to consider it because yeah, this is a sacrifice that needs to be made, but like to a degree that you cannot talk anymore and you have like spasm and everything like this is becoming a serious thing. But let's say the guy is in a good health. He's not as good as he was 10 years ago, but he's, he's, if the guy wants to still fight, I need to respect it because the guy is doing something that he loves. So yeah, uh, coming back on that statement, it, take, it takes courage to admit that you were wrong, but I was wrong. And what made me acknowledge that I was wrong is experience. So yeah, I said that. And uh, in the past, I thought it was the right thing to say, but with experience, it was not. <laughs> so I, I think what you were saying though, was it's a sprint because we're not playing golf. Yes. You know what I mean? But now you've learned to kind of understand the, the physicalities and, and what this sport takes, but also that it doesn't, you don't have to rush. It's not all the way to the top or nothing right away. Yes, exactly. exactly. You can ride the, you can ride the waves. Yeah. Uh, th this is also something I understood when I fought Philly in my second uh, featherweight fight. I fought Choi, then I went to Philly right away. And when I lost to Philly, I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying how it is. I, I did 14,000 after expense, it was like 10,000. And then after taxes, everything, I think I made like $8,000 facing Andre Philly, who was number 17 in the world. So now when that happened, I'm like, ouch, I fought one of the best guy in the world who was like top 20 and I just earned $8,000. What's going on? Because, you know, they tax you and this and that. And yeah. I'm not complaining about salary. It happened because I lost. So don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. No, you and, said uh, it at the top. Yeah. But when I face the reality of the thing, I'm like, okay, like this is the UFC has a big, uh, uh, bassin. I don't know how to say that in English, but there's, a, they have a lot of fire and featherweight. And I know I wanted to jump, to the top right away but like uh you need to take risk but the risk needs to be worth at the end because if yeah. i would have won would i make like 28 g's after expand like 20 g's so this is not a lot of money for someone who's facing so much uh big guys so that's why this is something now that i understand uh, looking at sean o'malley sean o'malley is taking his time and getting better every performances and like he's growing accordingly to 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 like boom, 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 like steps. He's taking one step yeah. at a time. He's a very smart individual. Plus he used that to, to elevate himself through social media and to his persona. And like, 
is climbing the step and we have to give our hats off to the kid. And people say, oh, we should feed them to top 15, top 10 right away after he won two, three fights because they said, oh, I want to see him get knocked out. He's too cocky. They said that. He did never listen to these guys. Yeah. Step by step. Of course, he called shots a couple of times. like called the Puriyan, the midget, this and that. Yeah, and yeah. He has the potential to defeat him, but now is not the time. Like Peter is a different, different sort of animal. But yeah, so it's important to take step by step and make sure that you grow the most uh, out of every fight. Why I knew I was going to defeat Andre Ewell, and I'm not taking shots at him, but he's good. But he never uh, did more in all of his fights. Like when you see me fight, I always become a with, I always come in with new weapons, new new mm-hmm. things I want to try. Like I'm always trying to get better. I, I love body shots and I was hitting them, the high kick, the level change. I was working on a lot of things. But Andre, every time I was watching a fight, it would always stay the same. Uh, rapid, a uh, big backhand, like uh, circling always. Like there was nothing new in all the performances. I'm like, man, this is a three-year gap of fighting and you're always the same version of you what's going on so I, that's why i told myself i cannot lose this fight because i i know exactly what he was going to do and in the fight he didn't do anything that surprised us everything right. was fine but when you look at a guy like cub cub is someone that's always transform transforming himself so even though his body is not as strong as he was back then his mind his fight iq is 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 through the roof his performance were with elkins was was pretty pretty impressive as well. Yeah. So yeah, taking the steps. Sorry, I took a lot of time. No, to no, it. yeah. But steps are very important. It's very true. We always want to rush to the top and not understand that we might not be ready for the top. I remember when I was a broadcaster in small cities, and it's just like I just wanted to be at ESPN, and it's just <laughs> like. I would have got spit out of ESPN in two seconds. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It does, just because you can, you know, do something doesn't mean you belong at the top. Doesn't mean you won't get there. It's inevitable that you'll get there if you if you if you keep kind of kind of learning learning yeah. as you say the steps to, to along the way. Last thing I want to well not the last thing but uh, I have this note on here, and you said this too. You don't. I, I, you have so many great quotes, Charles. I just regurgitate your quotes and get you to explain them. It's fantastic. Uh, you don't fight pressure. You just learn to accept it. Yeah. Some fighters will say, I don't feel pressure. I don't feel pressure. You are, very, you are very candid in your um, approach to everything that you will acknowledge all these hardships and just say, you just have to learn your way through it. Yes. So, so when it comes to pressure because you just faced it. As you said, you're on the last fight of your contract and you said, this is what I'm about to deal with. Because, mm-hmm. uh, it's important to acknowledge it instead of fighting it. Yeah, I can do a, a similarity with cardio. Guys are like, oh, I'm dead, no, no, no. I'm dead during fights, but I'm not fighting it. I'm accepting it that my cardio is down. Because if you're like, why am I dead? I did my breathing. I did this, and then you're trying to give you a reason why you shouldn't be tired, but you should be tired. It's a fight. And that's why I, I always tell myself, if I'm tired, this guy's fucking dying. And this, this is what gives me like a boost of energy. If I'm tired, I know you're dead tired. And uh, because I'm not fighting or, uh, fighting it, I'm accepting it. Just like pressure. People say, no, I don't feel pressure. I'm going to go in and perform. Nah, 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 nah. And then when they start fighting, you see them, they're stiff. Like they're, I'm like, dude, 
And they when they do the you know the little back and forth when they're announcing your name mm-hmm. and you can see they're like smirking this and that and when the fight starts they become like this bowl of because all of those minutes that they were making it seems like they weren't under pressure they were dying on the inside me the moment I hate the most and I'm being the most true truthful is when they're finding out of na 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 and they're announcing you and you're like come on just just get out of the cage i just want to beat this guy up and yeah. please this moment i hate the most when they're announcing you me or him like the, yeah. the moment the octagon when there's so many people in it and me i just want to say okay everybody get out please i just want to fight like me what i would like is being in separate rooms they announce you and you walk to the cage they close the cage and then you fight like yeah. this, this uh, <laughs> It gives me chills and you don't know if you're hot or you, cause you just walked out with all of your hoodie on and everything, you know, all your friends and family, everybody's watching you, your girlfriend, everybody's watching you. And uh, you walk with that hoodie, you're hot and then you take it off and then you start to become cold because they're announcing and you're like, ah, fuck. This is the moment I hate the most. And as soon as the fight started, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm liberated from all of that. But yeah. When that moment happened, there's so much pressure from all around. When the fight starts, poof, everything vanished. No more pressure. But that moment, I hate it. Yeah. yeah. You hate it, but you've learned to deal with it. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know accept. it's coming. Yeah. You accept. As soon as the fight starts, there's no pressure. Just calculate and, uh, and then you go at it. One thing I didn't understand, uh, by the way, in my fight is when Ewell started as a righty, he never did that in his fight. And I think he was expecting the low kicks, but my low kicks are much better from righty. So he started as a righty and I'm like, you can see kind of smirk. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Then I'm going to destroy your leg. And I threw yeah. one hard low kick right away when he started. And I was like, I saw his face and I was like, man, if she didn't like that one, you know, you're going to hate your night with me. Yeah. So it made me laugh. I didn't understand that one. It was yeah. surprising. So last thing here. Yes, sir. I've had a pleasure talking with you, Charles. This has been this has been phenomenal. Likewise, I get to know you like this. Um, a lot of times, I've I learned something. I want to say last year, late last year, kind of even more right now is like interviews are great when you describe who you are, where you came from, what you've been to this point. But I also want to know who you're trying to become. If I say, "What are you working on?" or like. Who is the person that you're trying to become right now? How would you answer that? Uh, it would be someone who, who would be good, like balanced in all of the sphere I've been talking about uh, with my family. I want to create a family with my girlfriend. I want to balance everything. And it's very, very hard to do it uh, uh, as a, but not as a professional, as a human being. It's very hard to have good balance and everywhere. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Jordan Peterson. Uh, and uh, this man, without being in contact with me, changed, changed my life and my way of approaching everything. So, yeah, just I want to be a man that can balance everything. And, and I want to be someone that you can look at and say, uh, you've never been the victim of circumstances because everything you faced, you faced head on. Even though he lost or he, he won, he was always going in. Like I, I, I'm a big believer in taking risk. And now I, if some people can take uh, inspiration from it 
from from the man I'm trying to be, then I'm, I'm I would be very grateful for it. Excellent, man. What's your advice to people out there? Like like uh, uh, maybe Jordan Peterson's best advice that that changed your life. What would that be? Yeah, everything I'm I'm, t- I'm saying since the beginning of this interview has been. Uh, my understanding of this mostly uh, of some of these studies so yeah face uh face whatever comes towards you because if you put it aside too long it's it becomes a pile of garbage in your body your mind and soul so you need to 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 assess everything that that like face everything as much as you can and of course you're going to lose some time but in losing comes Losing comes with, with, with becoming better. And uh, if you win, study those wins because there are some things that you did that you need to redo in other circumstances. So study your losses, study your wins. And when I say that, it's just, just not just performances. It could be a, a bad interaction with your husband or your wife or whatever. Study, like trying to, to become better to make sure that things don't repeat themselves. Uh, like if I get Dar's choke, Let's say MMA. I don't want to get dark choke again. Now I know right. how to get out of the situation. So if I had a fight with my girlfriend because of this, I need to make sure I don't have this fight again against uh, towards the same situation. So yeah, face everything head on with courage, and uh, you, you can never you can never lose with courage. I was listening to Jordan Peterson yesterday. No joke. And uh, two things popped out at me. I'll end with a quote, but I'll start with this. You were mentioned how everything can be a gift and a curse, right? All these things. And uh, I was listening to him and I was just like, a lot of people objectively would say Jordan Peterson has a bad voice, right? He kind of sounds, you know, he has a high pitch voice. And I said, but that's part of the joy of listening to him is how unique his voice is and how it sounds. And he said, um, and he said something in this, this clip that I listened to, he said, don't sacrifice who you could be for who you are. It's always about pushing forward. Exactly. The potential. Like, yeah, the potential of who you could be is so tremendous. And people people think they are nothing more than what they are today. But this is a lie. You are much more than what you think you are. And you have so much potential ahead of you. So, yeah, it's a great quote, great man. And uh, sometimes I listen to him and the way he talks about things and I'm and almost, I'm almost like, man, I don't even think we deserve such a great mind. Like he, the way he speaks, the way he, he dissects situation, he's a very intelligent man, and uh, very grateful to to have him uh, as an internet role model. <laughs> yeah, and he's Canadian, right? <laughs> yes, Definitely he is. Canadian. Yeah, yeah. Montreal, actually. So yeah. Well, um, Charles, a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show with me, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you very when, much. For when you. do we get to see you in the octagon again? If Cub wants to fight in March. <laughs> Cub, I'm, man. I'm for March, but uh, yeah, whatever opponent they have for me, I need to prove that I, I can fight various style. But of course, stylistically, me and Cub would match up pretty well. And it's something I've been asking for a while. But hey, wh- whatever they throw at me, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best and uh, I'll try to to. to I'll just do my best. Yeah, this yeah. is the most important thing. So thank you very much for your time. Hey. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. And uh, I hope we can do it again sometime. Absolutely, Charles. All the best, man. Thank Thanks you. very much. Likewise. There you go, folks. Charles Jordan, almost an hour strong with the uh, featherweight from Canada. 
And uh, as I said, at the top, I was just, uh, I was, I've been impressed by him every step of the way for his fighting, for his life perspective. And, uh, you know, I knew he would, I knew he would thrive. I wasn't worried about this interview. What am I going to talk to him about? I knew he would have some gems for all of us and a pretty interesting story as well. One of four brothers. Anyways, um, his star is rising and I hope we get to see a lot more of him in 2022. I cannot wait for the fights to return. This uh, UFC offseason, I actually do really enjoy how the schedule is set up now. Uh, When it went from Fox to ESPN, obviously it forced a few schedule changes that maybe some people outside the world of sports broadcasting wouldn't totally understand it and get it. But college football is such a big thing for ESPN. And the college football playoff is always like on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day and all the bowl games and football just rules in sports broadcasting. It gets the highest ratings. It pulls in the most money. So when the UFC goes from Fox to ESPN, well, if you've noticed, our big pay-per-view in December has been middle of the month. We've done one final event after the pay-per-view and then we get Christmas off And then instead of having a big pay-per-view on New Year's Eve weekend in Las Vegas, ESPN, I think, is like, let's direct all eyeballs, marketing, energy, attention towards our college football playoff property. They pay a boatload of money for the rights to those big games. And as such, the UFC gets a nice little break. We get to hit the reset button. We get to do some big shows in December. Everybody enjoy the holidays. Enjoy your new year. Take a week, two off in uh, the beginning part of January. And then we get ready to hit it hard as football is coming to a close. And the UFC can ramp up and have these huge events. A big January pay-per-view, which is on the horizon. Um, And the machine gets going again for a big 2022. So I know that uh, the break is nice for everybody that works for the UFC. But also, we start getting the itch, you know, like I've been getting the itch for about a week and uh, I'm ready to get back to work. And I will be on the call for Calvin Cater, Giga Chikadze, the first fight night of the year coming up on January 15th. So um, we can make it until then. It's a white knuckle ride until we get fights back in our lives. But hope you enjoyed that bit of content. And uh, I hope again that your New Year's is going great, that you had a great holiday season and that you're off to bigger and better things in 2022 like we all hope to be. Talk to you next time on the podcast. Thanks for listening.